This is what I've been saying, the three L's, listen, learn, and lead. The advisors to do that are the advisors that are going to win. The value of bespoke advice has never been higher. You're listening to Coindesk's On Purpose with Tyrone Ross. And infrastructure, money movement, security. The wealth management space is not set up to deal with the client of the future. And man, is that an incredible opportunity. A licensed investment advisor and powerful storyteller. Tyrone has a passion for digital assets and their ability to disrupt our current way of life. How do I protect myself? How do I protect my firm? How do I protect my clients? This show is for advisors by advisors. Advise on purpose in the arising realm of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. And now, Tyrone Ross. All right, welcome back to another episode of the On Purpose podcast. I am your host, Tyrone Ross. I have a special guest with me today. All of the accounting nerds lean in here. I have Michael from KPMG. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And yes, I am one of those accounting nerds. And, and in this <laughs> environment, can be proud of it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So just so folks know, it's Michael Johnson. Now, for me personally, I ran with a teammate in college, Michael Johnson, and I'm a 400 meter runner. So Michael Johnson, to me, is the best 400 meter runner in history. So I got to say the whole thing so everyone understands. So thank you for being here. This is going to be informative and also, I think, broad for the advisors that listen and those that are just in the asset management space as well. So just to set the stage, you all put out a report, crypto as an asset class, what asset managers should know before going into crypto. So I toss it to you, what should asset managers know before going into crypto? That's great. Thank you, Tyrone. Again, it's uh, Michael Johnson. I'm a partner in the asset management practice at KPMG. I'm based in New York, and I co-lead the digital assets team here in the United States. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you today, Tyrone. The biggest topic that I want to start with is the fact that there are two very important, unique aspects of digital assets. When you compare them with traditional assets, that can directly impact a wealth manager and asset manager's business. And the first of which is the fact that crypto trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There is no market close when it comes to digital assets. Uh, and the second unique aspect is the, quote, asset is just computer code. You're, all person is doing is buying into the software code in a blockchain. And there is no ledger behind the ledger like you would have with DTCC and securities. Those two aspects of digital assets have a significant knock-on impact to the business of an asset manager that's contemplating moving into digital assets. And therein lies many of the details of the study that, that you read and that we published. So for the advisors listening, one of the things that reached out beforehand, I want to juxtapose this with what the SEC released in their risk alert last year that I constantly referenced. And one of those things are exactly that. And they framed it as valuation methodology, valuation methodology in order to get there, you have your pricing. Where are you pricing this? Like what time is your close or whatever? Ultimately from your pricing comes to, not for the purposes of this conversation before advisors, like billing. How do you bill on assets, right? When you're cutting off the close, again, ending up where you value them. So for the purposes of your report and what you wrote here, what do you think 
folks should be thinking about that are asset managers, if they're looking to get in here of a fair pricing model and valuation model, if you will, based on what you just said, an, an asset class that does trade in real time? That's a great, great question. And it's a topic that we discuss with our clients on a regular basis. And that 24-7, 365 aspect of crypto and digital assets has to be accounted for in the context of an organization overall. One aspect certainly is the cutoff time for your investment operations. But there's nothing new here. If you think about investment managers that manage a global portfolio, at the end of the day, they have to navigate this same challenge. And that is, at what time during the day do I cut off my portfolio activities to determine the close of my business day and to determine the fair value of my portfolio, strike the nab, et cetera, et cetera? It's the same in crypto. You just have to define, the manager just has to define what makes sense for their business. So on the East Coast, a very common cutoff time that we see is four o'clock in the afternoon East Coast time. Similarly, I have clients on the West Coast of the United States who choose four o'clock West Coast time and then others that will run it all the way up until 11.59 you know, at night. And so it just it depends upon what is appropriate for your business. And then when you make that cutoff time, you just have to honor it. Now, there is an aspect of the counting literature that talks about subsequent events. Mm-hmm. So let's take, for instance, you have a fund whose dealing day is today, and you're cutting off at four o'clock in the afternoon, but the dealing day actually by, by the fund documents goes until 11.59 at night. So you'll need to contemplate any material moves in the fair value of those crypto positions after four o'clock to determine whether you have to bake that into the net asset value that you strike at four o'clock. That's, but again, that's going to be normal in the context of operating a global investment portfolio, regardless of what you invest in. It's just, you, you could see a lot of volatility. You could see a lot more activity with this 24 by 7, 365 nature of crypto assets. Awesome. So let's, let's move into your second point right now. And what is that? We can get in there because I do have a, a question that I do want to ask you with the role that you all play with educating your clients and moving forward to make sure that they are compliant and not getting fried here from a regulatory standpoint. Absolutely. So the second point, you mean the computer code as an asset and there's yes. no ledger behind the ledger. Okay. Yep. That's a great question. Well, if you think about traditional asset managers, they have established controls, policies, procedures, a whole ecosystem built around that business that they're going to have to transition over to deal with the unique aspects of digital assets. One of which is the fact that this computer code, in order for you to access the computer code, to take advantage of the asset that you have, move it, sell it to purchase more, you have to set up what's called a, a wallet and you get a private key. The private key is a unique code that allows you to access that asset because there is no, quote, ledger behind the ledger. If you lose that private key, if somebody steals it from you, those assets can disappear right away and you would have no recourse. So you really do have to think about what's the safety and security of that private key. In the institutional asset management space, uh, there is the emergence of third-party custodians whose job it is to maintain that wallet. They maintain the safety and security of that private key. They have controls built around it with transparency. Some of them have controls attestation reports done by auditors that will attest to the operating effectiveness of those controls. And in the institutional segment of this market, those are very important considerations. That doesn't mean that in the retail segment or in the individual segment that it's not important. It should be. 
sometimes the individual investor is not aware of that aspect of the industry. So the first of which is, is the safety and security of the private key and the emergence of third-party custodian. Not all custodians are created equally. They all don't approach the, the business the same way. Uh, some of them have transparency into their controls and attestation reports against them. Some of them don't. Uh, and it's just something to a very important topic to to consider. Another yes. one is the use of these uh, crypto exchanges. A lot of times mm -hmm. you can just do your trading through an exchange and it's the exchange that actually has the wallet uh, and the associated private key. Again, having some transparency and doing some due diligence around how they maintain safety and security of the private key is going to be important. So staying there, because I think it's very important, and, and I don't know how much you can add to this one, whether you can or not, or two, if you have any thoughts on it, but there's a lot of talk now about custody, right? And especially qualified custodians in the space. SEC just put out a, a recent announcement at the you know, Investment Advisor Compliance Committee or conference or something about custodians and qualified custodians of those that are state chartered or whatever. So do you have any thoughts around that or does KPMG work with any of these folks who can give any guidance there? I think it'll be good for the, the listening audience to hear that from you. Sure. It is important to know whether your custodian is deemed a qualified custodian under a regulatory regime. That being said, at much of the digital asset industry, the regulatory script, the accounting script, the tax script, it has yet to be written. So you could absolutely be working with a third-party custodian that's not deemed a qualified custodian under current U.S. regulation, that's still very good at what they do and still very appropriate to meet your needs. Again, that comes back to the need for you to do appropriate due diligence over that custodian and make sure that you're aligning with the party that, that actually does meet your needs, qualified custodian or not. Obviously, yeah. the qualification is, is certainly helpful in the context of an American citizen and our financial services market, for sure. Right. So perfect lead into where I want, want to go next is just the role that you all play. Obviously, KPMG is a, a wonderful brand. Everyone knows that if you're in financial services, you, you know it. Advisors know it. Anytime you guys put out something or, you, or a company says that in the fine print that you are doing the, the audits and everything else, it, it provides a level of comfort. So for those that are listening, again, that are trying to tiptoe into the space as a wealth manager, as an asset manager, as a fund provider, whatever it may be, what role do you all play? Can I come to you and say, hey, can you educate me on the space? Is there ongoing guidance? Like, how are you actually advising folks in the digital asset, crypto asset space? And if I was to come to you, what role do you all play from a handholding standpoint of making sure that, again, we don't get fried and sued into the oblivion? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Um, the core of KPMG's business and what our brand is most known for is, of course, financial statement audits and income tax, whether income tax compliance or providing tax around global tax regimes. That's the core of our services. Our marketplace is more institutional than it is retail because we are one of the big four firms in the scale of what that's behind our business. We also have a very important advisory business for our clients, and we do work with clients in the Web3 blockchain crypto asset management environment. And very simply, what we do is, is we help navigate regulatory change. That script's not very well written in digital assets, so it's, it's important to stay on top of where the regulations are going. The second is we help clients with transaction, and right now around digital assets, the ecosystem, there's a lot of transactions, capital markets, transactions, mergers, acquisitions, spinouts. We're involved in a lot of those. And then finally, 
the, the catch-all phrase I like to use is we help our clients make their businesses better. So they focus on generating alpha and managing the assets, and we help them run a more efficient and more effective machine behind it. Awesome. Now, those are all very familiar buzzwords for advisors, right? And asset managers. So that's great. Now, what about this? And I know you met, you lightly touched on this at the end of the report, but NFTs and DeFi and staking and all these other things. What's interesting here is I'm firmly a believer that we are moving into an AUA future, assets under authorization or advisement, non-custodial things on chain. I think the legacy custodians, when I say legacy, I mean Coinbase and Gemini and others, are in full world of hurt here because folks are going to own these assets in their pockets, but also you're already starting to see indexes on chain, funds on chain, all this stuff is going on chain. Again, highly auditable because you can just go onto the blockchain and see it. So any just high level thoughts on the NFT, the DeFi space, I know you hit on it on the report there from you personally or or the firm, as far as decentralized finance and all the, the other buzzwords on the other side are concerned. This is a segment of this industry that I'm most excited about because it is innovation in its purest form. It is creativity and the ability to generate true investment returns without the need for an intermediary, et cetera. So I'm very excited about it. The, the challenge is the infrastructure is not quite transparent to the user. The Again, the accounting script, the regulatory script, the tax script is not written. So there's a lot of issues that have to be navigated when you enter into this market. And I'll give you just one example. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is especially important when you're dealing with institutions. Institutional investors, they have a certain level of expectation of diligence and an infrastructure and transparency built around it. And I'll just give you one example. NFTs. NFTs, especially in the creative economy side of NFTs, if you are trying to represent to the marketplace what the fair value of your NFT portfolio holdings are, Mm -hmm. it is very difficult, extremely difficult as a third party who goes in to verify management representations. That's what we do in our audit services. It is extremely difficult as a third party to go in and verify what the fair value of NFTs are because the current marketplace for NFTs is not totally established. And what I mean by that is the auditor has to go in and verify the relevance and the reliability of the different inputs that go into fair value. In an anonymous or a semi-anonymous environment, like you have for NFTs, you can definitely have related parties exchanging NFTs simply to inflate the value. And it's very difficult for a third party to come in and flush that out. And so I would just say that Whereas it's extremely cool, it's exciting. The use cases for NFTs are off the charts. We have clients who, who are really invested in that segment of the market and believe that things like your college transcripts, your medical records, so many everyday use cases will be in NFT form. Right now, it's very early stages in using NFTs. And again, being able to do the things that we as institutional participants in, in investment management, what we expect. I'm warming up to NFTs. I think there's a large opportunity here, but I equate it to the ICO boom in 2017. It's very similar to that. And I was saying back then that this is the biggest bubble in history, but what's going to come out of this is really interesting as far as registering securities, tokenomics, all of those things. And I'm looking at NFTs the same way. There's, There's a clear use case here for the creator economy. But right now, these ugly apes and all these other things that I'm seeing on Twitter 
I'm not sure if that lasts, right? And it's very similar to the crypto kitties and everything else. So it's still very early and I think it will evolve. But that's really great feedback because if you are and you're starting to see now, because you got to love financial services, the minute there's a fad, they'll make money from it. But all of these NFT funds and how do I know the value of any one of these things you put in here at any time to be able to get a full valuation of the entire portfolio? It has to be almost impossible to do right now. So that was really good feedback. Coming to the end here, I think one of the things when we get really smart folks like yourself to engage with us as crypto hippies, right? Because we're fully immersed in this space 24-7, 365. But to have a fully grasp of the traditional world as you do, but also those of you that are starting to wade into our waters, what do you see as the main problem in the space right now for it to evolve and become an asset class that institutions just feel fully comfortable walking into? Because I believe the next trillion to two trillion in market cap is coming from the audience that you wrote for and the audience that I talk to. So just roundabout, what do you see as the, the major pain point from your seat where if that gets fixed, we're probably talking about going from peak mass acceptance to peak mass adoption? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll answer it with, uh, from two perspectives. Uh, the first of which, which is extremely important, is the lack of regulatory regime that makes sense for digital assets. Our clients, native crypto managers, really anybody participating in the digital assets ecosystem, they want to be regulated. They want to understand what are the rules that we are supposed to follow because they are very interested in building their business truly to scale. We're accessing retail markets, making their business mainstream. And to do that, we have to have a regulatory regime that is smart, that's effective, that's understood so that these companies can navigate them, do it in, a, in an appropriate way. So that's one. The second is really about education in the marketplace. The fact that we're calling this a cryptocurrency, people, the, the lesser educated in the marketplace think that it's a currency and they equate it to like US dollars or Canadian dollars or some type of security position. There is a level of education here, especially when you start talking about staking DeFi activities, these incredible use cases. The level of education that this is about the blockchain and about the, the use cases of the different blockchains that people have to understand so that way they know what they're getting into and they'll understand how to access the segment of the market. So in the absence of, of clear regulation, regulatory guidelines, and the absence of you know, mass education, those are two primary challenges that are preventing this industry from moving to scale. Couldn't agree more. And that is why we do this podcast and why I'm, I'm a proponent of financial education overall, because our country has failed at it, clearly. But I think as far as getting into the space, if crypto, and I separate Bitcoin and crypto, everyone should learn that at some point, please do. If you look at what Bitcoin brought to the world, it finally forced people who have never cared about financial services or finance or monetary policy or anything to start to care about that, independent of how you feel about it. You have to give it credit for that. But it also has shined this really big light on, oh man, we have a huge financial education gap. Not generally, but also folks in the traditional financial services space who just aren't up to speed here. So I appreciate you saying that for one, and, and obviously the, the resource that you put out, which is phenomenal and coming on. So before we go, where can folks find you? Where could they find a report? Where should they go for, for help and bang on the doors outside of KPMG so they don't get sued? That's a, a thank you for that. You will find me on LinkedIn, Michael Johnson. 
Michael spelled M-I-K-A-E-L, Swedish descent. And certainly you can find us under the asset management industry tile on kpmg.com. Awesome. Appreciate you joining us. And again, for everyone listening, you know what's coming. If you found any value in this whatsoever, run over to nokidhungry.org. Help me, help Coindesk, help KPMG end child hunger in this country. It is time for that to end and appreciate everyone who just come on and been supporting that. Also, the Crypto for Advisors newsletter, run over, sign up for that. Some really great articles coming out there. Consensus is coming up. See you all in Austin. I will be there. And of course, we will see you on the next one. Michael, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you for your time. Thank you for having me. And I will see you at Consensus. Look forward to it. Oh, we'll see you there. All right. Bringing everybody, bringing the whole family. All right, folks, we'll see you on the next one. I appreciate you. You've been listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross and guest Michael Johnson. The show has been produced, edited, and announced by Michelle Mousseau with additional production support from Eleanor Paul. Our theme song is Walk With Swag. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line on purpose, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.